Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, which I purchased because I love a determiner. FamilyPetAncestry.com, because I think it's funny. Uh, they all go to uh, either DorkForest.com or JackieCation.com. The credits, let's do them. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the intro song, sang it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. He will sing the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program again with lyrics that he made up. That's right. Patrick Brady, go to fix this audio, thank God. And uh, Vilmos fixes my website. So if you ever need a website design, talk to Vilmos. His link is in the notes. Merchandise. If you were to want stuff, you'd go to JackieCation.com. You'd go to the store. You could get CDs. I have three CDs, all, well, two of them critically acclaimed. The first one, just okay, just okay. But if you're a completist, you can get all three for a deal. And there's domestic prices and international prices. My last CD, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux, also available as my first ever DVD. It is only available as a DVD right now because I'm in the process of trying to sell it to somebody, uh, to have it streamed somewhere for free. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to sell it on some website, and then you will know about it. Both This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux and It's Never Going to Be Bread, my last two albums, top ten comedy albums of the year. Bread was top 10 on Amazon for the year it came out, which was 2010. And Horcrux, top five on Vulture.com last year. There's also t-shirts. You can get Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt. You can get a, the regular The Dork Forest t-shirts. And you can get the new Spooky Reading Girl t-shirt, which is a reference to one of my newer jokes on the newest album. So they're all union-made here in the United States of America, so they run big. Take that into account. Shipping is included. And I can ship them domestically or internationally as well. On JackieCation.com and TheDorkForce.com, there's a donation button. If you enjoy the program, I would love you to donate. You can give me $10 a month for 10 months. Uh, or you can give me $100 a year all at once. Or you can give me whatever you'd like because it's a donation button. But uh, I would appreciate that if you have it. It would be great. It is used only for good. If you don't have any money, that's fine. You've done what you can. The uh, There's an Amazon banner on JackieCation.com on the right-hand side above a video of me doing stand-up comedy, I believe. And you click on that banner. You go to Amazon. You order like normal. And Amazon sends me some money for what you order. It doesn't cost you extra. I just get a little kickback, so I appreciate that. On JackieCation.com, there's also a tour, tour page, lots of different places to watch me do stand-up comedy. There's a new thing going on besides Spooky Reading Girl t-shirt, which is a new t-shirt that you can buy. I am going to do the live episodes as premium episodes, so they will cost on Bandcamp, the dorkforest.bandcamp.com. And they'll be two bucks. And that's just to defray the cost of the live ones. There's only going to be a handful a year. And it's two bucks. You, you got two bucks. You're good. And always know in your heart that there will be at least 52 episodes of free ones every year on iTunes and all that stuff. If there's a problem, if you have any issues or anything ever with the show, or if you just want to say hi, my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. Enough of this. Let's get into the show. It's a good one. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Uh, I'm here in my living room with Petey Gibson. Welcome to the program, Petey Gibson. Woohoo! Yeah! Woo! Finally, we met when you were doing your character, your vaudevillian uh, lady character, yeah. Mary Dolan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where she is a dirty, dirty old lady, <laughs> is what Mary <laughs> Dolan nasty. was. She's nasty. She is nasty. But you, Petey Gibson, which is, by the way, P-E-T-E-Y underscore Gibson at uh, on the Twitter. But if you go to PeteyGibson.com... You will find all things linked, correct? Yeah, I've got everything from stand-up to little videos, and it shoots over to Mary stuff, and it links to my web series. And what's your web series? It's uh, with with the aforementioned Mary Dolan. Oh, okay. Um, Wait, you do them together, like a split 
screen. Oh God, I wish. No, Mary stars in it. Okay. I just co-wrote and co-produced it. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just background. Your background? Cause Mary's yeah. doing the whole thing. Mary's a fucking shit show to work with, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mary's this 86 year old, um, ex vaudevillian, she says. And, uh, basically the idea is the show is called Meals with Mary. Okay. And Mary's basically discovered that people are making whatever videos they want at home for the internet. Right. So she for doesn't, the internet. yeah, she doesn't quite know like what the internet is or how, but she's like, that's it. This is my, this is going to be, this it. is it. She's been trying to make it for like 80 years. Right. So this is her. So it's called Meals with Mary and it's a, a cooking show. It's is a it? cooking. It's real recipes. Sure. Why? Well, why would also it? like, you know, sex stories about Bing Crosby. Sure. And like, you know, just things turning into Mary a hot Dolan. mess. Mary Dolan. What a hot mess. Mary Dolan yeah. has always been. And you, Petey Gibson, yes. play Mary Dolan. I and do. Let's let just, let, let, spoiler alert, you guys. Uh, Mary <laughs> Dolan, fictional character. <laughs> so, but I remember when I first got booked, I was like, I didn't know what it was. Cause it's a panel show. You know, someone gets up, they do their, they, they do their little skit. They do the thing that they enjoy doing, whether it's play the yeah. ukulele or me talking out of a joke hole. And then you do a little bit of interview. <laughs> Which you did pretty well. Sure. It went well. Not a hobby. Not a hobby. I'm uh, going to talk out of my joke <laughs> hole. Pretty good at this late date, hopefully. do it. <laughs> right. I've decided to refer to journalists as uh, as their cue hole, their question hole. Uh, I'm sure they really like that a yeah, lot. Yeah. Well, I don't care what they like because I want them to be better at their jobs. <laughs> so it's it's uh, you're just um, instigating. You can think of me the as the betterment co- of journalism. That's it. I'm the, uh, I'm, I, I'm part of the village raising the journalist standards. What oh, the heck? Jackie Cation. Gently <laughs> <laughs> affecting change you're, at a grassroots level. Shit. Not just fart jokes. Nope. Not just <laughs> fart jokes. I have other, other things to discuss besides, uh, other holes in my body. <laughs> I know it is gross. Yeah. So the Mary Dolan show is. Yes. So it's a live show that I do. I've done it in Boston. I've done it in LA. I've done it in Chicago. Uh, my goal. San Francisco. I, you ever do it I up there? I still haven't, which is stupid. Right, because there's people up there who love a thing like a Mary Dolan show. I know. Possible. It's, I can, I it's like my me, ideal audience is in San Francisco. No, I, I can hook you up. There's a nice lady who has a room, and uh, she will help you produce that little bad boy. You want in on that? Yeah, I do. All right. Okay, I believe great. her name is Katie Levine, and uh, she opens for Margaret Cho, and she's very, very funny. Great. And, Katie, uh, thank you in advance. I really appreciate this <laughs> opportunity. I, and so it'll be September 12th, you guys. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't have a, that isn't real. That's What's going to happen is I got to get Katie Levine on the show now <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and tell her, Hey, have you met Petey Gibson? Invite her over. Can she be here within the hour? She cannot. She cannot be because she does live in Los, in uh, San Francisco. She's good people. She's the worst. But Petey Gibson, what I was fascinated by was when we were chatting yeah. and Mary Dolan is, a, is, was the gateway drug to your dorkdom. And I was like, well, you got to come <laughs> on. You got to come on and talk about your dorky love of the vaudeville. The, I love the, it. the burlicue, the burlesque, and the circus. Yeah. Why? How? I never, I remember as a child being vaguely irritated by vaudeville and terrified by the circus. <laughs> but what I want to know. It all makes so much and sense. And I was now. so wrong. I was wrong on, by the way, every level. I have now <laughs> been to Cirque du Soleil. I've enjoyed it. I've seen mimes mm. and looked for more mimes. Holy I shit. That's deep. And, uh, uh, ventriloquism mm. sat through, went to a show on purpose. I've always enjoyed up close magic. That has been the weird thing about my love of up other close kinds. Magic. I like up close magic. I don't like it when you freeze. You a little, you, you little make sleight of hand. Sleight of hand. I don't like it. You're gonna make a, a whole bridge disappear. I, I can give a shit. Uh, but a coin. Wow. Hours. hours. Just wow. me sitting in front of you. Uh, Derek Hughes been on the program. He could turn a one dollar bill into a hundred dollar bill over and over again, and I would sit and watch it and like, just keep taking the hundo and putting it in your pocket over and over again. Yeah, he has thousands do of dollars. Again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. I like the pause. It's a beautiful pause. We both took a uh, sip break. We're drinking yeah. uh, lemonade. You're getting a nice lemonade in. It's I'm uh, I'm, I'm back to uh, one two pots of coffee a day. I gotta, I gotta Holy bring it back shit. down. Gotta bring it back down a notch. But let's do it. What made you love it? What made you, cause you were not, it's not like you're Mary Dolan. You're not 86 years old. You're a young no. woman. You, yeah. you the rest of your life ahead I'm of you. What, what, what drew a, you into it? I'm a 32 year old queer. I look nothing like Mary in you're all respects. You're adorable. It's all working out. She gets, she gets to be like straight 
and dirty. Like she really loves men. So I get mm-hmm. to really explore like what that would have been. What like. is this? Let's <laughs> just talk about peeing. What is it? <laughs> but I, Mary Dolan is, she's not really based off my grandmother, but she's sort of an homage to my grandmother. Okay. Whose name was Mary. Right. Mary Garrell Gibson. And yep. my Grammy used to do vaudeville revival shows. Oh, where? at, um, the Orpheum in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Okay. And she used to perform as Sophie Tucker. Oh, that's awesome. So I perform Sophie Tucker songs now as Mary Dolan. Right. But you're doing an impression of your own grandmother. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like an homage to my grandmother who is playing Sophie Tucker in an homage to Sophie Tucker's <laughs> sort of twice removed That's, Sophie Tucker. Those are my best impressions. Yeah. I, I, I used to be able to do an impression of Keanu Reeves, but only in the way that John Bush did Keanu Reeves, <laughs> who's another stand-up comic from Minneapolis. That's amazing. Sure. This is Kermit as Obama. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so she got you. So you saw vaudeville revival homages as a child well i never saw her on stage okay because they were done by the time i was of an age yeah but she like would teach us all the songs she was just like this crazy awesome fat lady who awesome was old just, lady who was perfect yeah who would just like sing all these crazy songs and we do all these games and she had this huge costume trunk and when she died spoiler alert she's dead when she <laughs> died um before she knew it was right. coming, she um was asking, you know, like, hey, what do you want? She was giving all the girls, right. you know, rings and jewelry and, and I, Bonds. that's not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not my thing. And she said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I want your costume trunk. Oh. So Which I, made you her fucking favorite. Yeah. Right, she's like, I knew it. Yeah. Just don't tell me how loud that you're gay and we're great. But she, Hilarious. Um, <laughs> she took, so she, I inherited her costume trunk and actually, you know, those black sparkly pants that I wear as Mary Ellen? Yeah. From the trunk. My grandma used From, to wear them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. And I don't mean to, I'm going to derail what could possibly be the best story of the show by telling you this story. My sister, gay, uh, my stepmother told her she could never tell our grandmother that she was gay because it would kill her. It would break her heart. And I remember my sister turning to me <laughs> at one point and going, so she was marched across Syria for two months by the Turks, but this is the thing that's going to kill her. The fact that I like women. And, uh, and it's I'm amazing just- <laughs> the shield. My parents tried to do that like, just don't tell anybody. Oh. Like, but that's my sister. Look uh, at me. Right, right. They're seeing Who am I this. Hiding? They're right. seeing this. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, is my uh, my parents found out because my sister was on a gay rights committee commission in 1982, uh, which is not done. Right. But she was on this the that's state not of a Wisconsin. Thing for allies. Right, right, <laughs> right. She's not just gay sensitive. She is. Uh, right. <laughs> she is actually gay. Doesn't but I remember just have a best friend. Our, our aunt called me and said. Girl is just political, right? Is that what it means? And I was like, no, Ann Alice, I believe she is a, she's a lesbian. And she goes, oh, I don't like that word. And I was like, well, in 82, nobody does. But uh, I, <laughs> I don't even like that word. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, but I've digressed because, so in that, tr- what was in that trunk? Besides those awesome black sparkle pants, were there tiaras? Were there handbags? Were there so shoes? So many things. There's a, you still um, have the trunk? I have the trunk. It's this huge, uh, huge, just a wooden, it's just like the perfect crate. It's a perfect trunk. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, probably three feet off the ground, four feet wide. Okay. Like really deep. There's, um, there were wigs and there's all sorts of like oh, feather cool. boas and costume pieces. She would march in like the founders, the Foxborough Founders Day Parade. Awesome. So there's like her dresses in there. Oh, there's this, um, and we used to, all when I was a kid, I have pictures of me in these costumes and they're yep. like all oversized, you know, like that adorable, like, sure. it's 1988 and none of our clothes fit us because we wear <laughs> our parents' clothes. Right. And we're all just like, you know, posing in big hats and stuff. Yeah. Oh, so that's so cool. I have it now. So I try to incorporate, a lot of them are like kind of musty or fucked up. Sure. I mean, because, well, it's hard to keep things nice quite out. It really is because we're, we don't live our lives like that. I don't want to remove them from the trunk because it's the only, like, I lift it and it just smells like her. Her. It smells like being in an attic and being five and being like, oh my God, this is How to package that. Yeah. And I'm like, I know these would keep if I like hung them safely in the closet and I just... Nope. I would rather they disintegrate before my goddamn eyes. <laughs> Fair enough. Smelling like your grandmother. Yeah. What brought her into the world of vaudeville? Why did she like it? 
before we get into the history oh, or any man. of it, but what was, what, did she ever tell you why she loved it so? No, I wish, I really wish I'd been able to. Like really grill her about an it. interview. I know I just didn't. Sucks. <laughs> Maybe we can have a seance later and ask. Yes, her. I'll I'll see if um, Karen Rontowski is available. Perfect. And uh, she likes ghosts, and so she may have some access uh, to the other side. But until that time, let's <laughs> just talk. Some, I may know a guy who knows a dead guy. <laughs> I have some access. Uh, yeah, my Grammy was then. just always like nuts i think she was just like boisterous and loud your dad's mom or your mom my dad's mom okay so she married so it was grammy and hootie everyone called him hootie hootie except she called him gib for gibson okay his real name was william i think anyway she called him gib everyone else called him hootie Mm -hmm. like his kids everyone that they knew all the grandkids like what does it mean i wonder i don't know it's just like is it a drug reference i don't know was he a hoot he he was very um like serious and quiet like a quiet Republican mechanic. Okay, so and not she, the straight man. Yeah, and she was just like, wow, you know, like <laughs> dyeing her hair blonde till she was in her seventies and like really boisterous. My dad told me the story that they were she was performing at the Orpheum. Okay, and he and the my hoodie had to go and the little boys. It was all boys, you know, and they all grew up to be blue collar. You know, construction workers sure. or whatever. Like really. Welcome to Massachusetts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my dad said that my Grammy was on stage doing this big number and at the end she like lifts up her skirt in the back and there's like a big bullseye on it, like a clown like hits right. the bullseye on her ass. <laughs> and he said that like all the boys were just sunk down as low as they could in their seats. My hoodie just had his hand over his eyes, was like, Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> But he loved her. Right. It was like that classic. Yeah, that's awesome. Just, she adored just him and he adored her. And they just loved each other and yep. it just worked. She just embarrassed him in public all the time. And he was like. And he was willing to go with it though. That's kind mm-hmm. of awesome. I know. And he was like, well, I guess that's what she's doing. Yep. <laughs> that's uh, for a very conservative Republican guy. He wasn't super bossy about what she was doing. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, uh, oops, sorry about that. I just kicked uh, Jackie Cation just kicked me. That's it. And I'll be that's sending I... my hospital bill to the Dork Forest. <laughs> Exactly. Well, we do have workers' comp. We got a lot of insurance happening. Where do I sign up? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I forgot to book any work this summer. I didn't forget to. I decided not <laughs> to book any work out of town this summer. And I didn't. Uh, what I did forget was I forgot to tell Andy Ashcraft, my loved one, that I wasn't booking any paid work this summer. Oops. Uh, and he didn't book any paid work. So the Andy. two of us. Fucking book some work. <laughs> so the two of us just kind of looked at each other, and I was like. Oh, you don't, you don't have another client after this client? And he's like, I don't. I, do you know, not have any, have any work this summer? And so I called up, I've been calling everybody going, Hey, do you have any shitty one-nighters? Uh, I'm available for shitty one-nighters. And, uh, and I, I picked up some. It's going to be fine. But, um, Damn. Rangers of the Dork Forest might notice that, uh, I'm selling everything in the Christmas and the kitchen sink <laughs> and have been for the last five weeks. She already tried to sell me a handbag and two pairs of shoes. That's when I said, I got a coach bag that Retta left. No, uh, so, but Can the, we get a lot of money for that. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so, but my favorite thing that happened with that is I was talking to Lori Kilmartin about shitty one-nighters, and she goes, you know, I'm not married, but isn't that something you people should talk about? Isn't that something you, and I said, did you just call me a you people? And she was like, yes, yes, I did. And she makes uh, it sound minority, when in fact. <laughs> we are actually the majority. Yeah. Uh, I think the married peoples or the divorced peoples or the people who are in part. I don't know anything about it. I think it. you're going halvesies with the divorced people. Right. I think we're 50-50 at this point, right? Yeah. And now that the gays can get all married and divorced, uh, you guys are going to join that, uh, the, the, the percentages. I've been gay married and gay divorced. Have you been gay married and gay divorced? Oh my God, Petey Gibson. I know. How long were you gay married for? Four and a half years. Okay, that's as long as straight married. That's yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, we gave it a solid try. <laughs> you gave it that. The, <laughs> you gave it the the same try that that straight people in their twenties do. Yeah, we so, did. <laughs> we were like, we're in our twenties, we're unstoppable, and then we were like, what is happening? This is so hard. <laughs> this is so hard. 
Oh, my oh, that's God. That's so funny. You know, Andy Ashcraft's moms, uh, they are not gay married. They are just, uh, they have just been together and did all the legal hoops so that when they're on each other's deathbeds, the other one can stare at them. On each other's deathbeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like when they're all dying and staring at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll all work out. Uh, but Perfect. then gay married, ha- gay marriage happened and they were like, fucking, gay uh, I can't, I don't have it in me. How about we just get rings now? And so they've been together for like 36 years and, uh, Holy but they crap. just never, um, that's how the gays used to do is they were just together. They were yeah. in it. To and win now, it. Boom. Gay marriage is oh, it's it ruining mean, lives. Is it ruining gay lives? It's ruining gay lives. <laughs> it's ruining. I think it's just making, it's just, just welcome to the world of straight people, huh? Yep. Where you're just like, now everyone expects everyone to get married and you're going to have three toasters and you're like, I don't need three toasters. I barely <laughs> need one fucking toaster. So, uh, Talk to me about the history of vaudeville. Talk to me about the history of circuses. Talk to me about the history of burlesque. Ooh. What do you know? Back to the obsession. Back to the dorkdom. Let's do it. Um, I love vaudeville. I study it a lot. Do you? Um, yeah. I, well, I didn't go to college. Right? I went to college for like a semester. So I started to be like, I wish I knew more about stuff. And then I was like, yeah. I could just do that myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what they used to do before colleges. Yeah. People would just look shit up. People would just, they yeah. would just on like Google, but except it was on like stones that somebody had carved. And right. They were big... loose, loose slabs of stone. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, oh. They're just going through slabs and be like, I did not know this. I didn't know that. <laughs> Aeschylus was a guy. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. So, uh, when, when did you start getting into it? Always? Kind of? Well, I started doing Mary Dolan like maybe 10 years ago. And the more I like developed the character out, the more it was like I wanted to be able to tell stories. And I kind of could. Like I based it off stuff my Grammy yeah. would kind of say. And I knew about Sophie Tucker, who is this. She was called the last of the Red Hot Mamas. And she was this like amazing, super famous. Was she white? She was uh white Jewish. Okay. Um. I don't know why, but I had the impression Sophie Tucker was black. But uh, what, so when was Sophie Tucker alive? What was her she What was her was buzz? She was born in I think like 1887. Oh, really? Or something? Okay, late 1800s. Yep, late 1800s in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and she, her um, family owned a like a little. Uh, restaurant. Okay. And to help bring customers in, they'd like stick Sophie in the corner and they'd be like, sing. So she'd like stand in the doorway and belt out songs. And, and that she had a hell of, of a voice. Yeah. She had just like this huge voice. Wow. And she would belt out songs. And so she was doing, she started doing like a lot of the local, like Jewish theater and shows and stuff like that. In the Hartford, y- Connecticut. Yeah. It was like a big Yiddish. Oh, right, right. Because it was like, everyone was sort of what I love about vaudeville in addition to it being like, amazingly entertaining is that it basically took New York and it just jammed it all together on a single stage. How so? Because you have the fallout from like, you have the Civil War. Right. And like, you know, the soldiers come home and it's 1860 and they're going to like, they called them like concert saloons or something where there basically was like uh, music and like early variety and early sort of the early stages of vaudeville, but it was okay. like dudes smoking and drinking and like watching dancing girls yeah, and singing in a piano. Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And vaudeville kind of grew out of that. And eventually what happened is it made, it became, I mean, the place, the most famous vaudeville place is called the Palace. Where is that? In New York City. I think it's in Times Square. Okay. Vaudeville kind of like when it left the Bowery, it went to Union Square and then eventually, but it was like. It kept moving uptown a little bit. Yeah, it just kept going. It kept going. It was more and more respectable. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden it's on the Upper East Side. Yeah, well, that was the idea is they had all these like variety shows and various things that would happen and little like niche things. And then there was basically like two big sort of venues or they were in, sometimes it was like German bar saloons. Like sometimes it was like pretty shady and shitty and they kept getting like shut down by the police. And sometimes it wasn't that bad. There was a fellow named Tony pastor. Okay. And he's like kind of considered I don't know if you'd say like the father of vaudeville, but he kind of like made it what it was. He started as a performer. Okay. His first gig was at, he was singing at a dime museum of PT Barnum's <laughs> back, back in the day. <laughs> and he, um, was it a museum just to, uh, dedicated to the dime or was it a dime to get <laughs> yeah. into the museum? And then it was like curiosities and stuff. It was curiosities. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. It was just girls dancing on dimes and 42nd street was born. <laughs> and they'd hand you nine cents change. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Tony Pastor started, uh, as a performer and he like did clown and he did a bunch of stuff. And then he was basically 
basically like looking at these variety houses where all these men would go and was like, we can incorporate a lot more people. And so he started producing shows. Okay. And in order to encourage um, women to come to kind okay. of like double the ticket, if a guy brings ah. his wife and they're paying twice the price, he would do things like give away 60 hams a week. And you could like win a ham or you could win a bag of coal or a oh, bag wow. of flour. So it started encouraging people to come and he kind of like clean up the axe a little bit. Okay. And then so he started creating like vaudeville houses in the Bowery in New York. And so it was like common man theater to some extent, like because there was big deal theater that people would go to. Yeah, there was like theater. Yes. And then there was like dudes watching Dancing Girls while everyone's super drunk on cheap whiskey. Right. And Tony Pastor made the middle. It was basically like there's so much lower middle class happening. And in New York, it was pockets of Germans and Irish and the Yanks and all these things. And basically vaudeville is – Act after act after act is totally disparate. Yeah. And then you put them all on a stage. So you have two Irish comedians having a drunken fight. Right, right. Because then... it's super racially and, and sexually sensitive. Oh, yeah. But, but, but amazing, but available for right. everyone. I mean, there's, there's blackface and there's, there's yeah, sexy stuff. Yeah, that was the one and... thing that they could all agree on was like. Oh, is that keep... nobody liked black people? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So like that, it became, it was, it was like, you know, you had like. The Irish and like the Scotsmen were kind of the butts of a lot of jokes. Everyone sure, because the they're cheap. Were like, yeah, cheap, cheap yeah. bastards. But right. yeah, it was kind of like let's. The thrifty Scotsman is a is the name of a chain in the South. That's like a Seven <laughs> Eleven. Oh and the only reason I know that is because there's um there is a, a Southern guy who of Scottish descent or Jewish descent who said, you know, you couldn't do one called the frugal Jew. It would not. It would <laughs> never it's be. The same it's thing. the same joke, but uh, you would. You, there would be an uprising. Yeah. So the Scottish and then and the Irish fight and they get drunk. Yeah. And, the, and then you'd have also like melodramas and you'd have short scenes. You know, you'd have romance like, and comedy. Yeah, and, like Burns and Allen came out of that doing their comedy, you know, skits and stuff like that, and a lot of music. I would a think a lot of that. music. Maggie Klein was like huge. Did she, was it ballads? What were they, what, what kind of music was it? Were they sing-alongs? I want to go to a sing-along. Oh my God, let's go to a sing-along. <laughs> let's go. Well, so, Thump. so out of this whole time, uh, Tin Pan Alley grew up. You've heard of Tin Pan Alley. I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. You at home. Uh, <laughs> oh, at home they know what Tin Pan <laughs> at, Alley At home is. they all know. But for you, Jackie. Yes, please tell me. Uh, well, it was, uh, uh, kind of a area where, uh, basically a ton of songwriting was happening. Okay. And you could go to Tin Pan Alley and you could get, so Sophie Tucker would go down and, you know, write me a song, get me a song, and you'd be buying, you, there were songwriters, you'd be buying the music and you'd from, be performing that wait, music. Wait, it was part from, of, New, it was like a street in New York where a bunch of songwriters lived and worked or something? Yeah, I don't know if it's all the same street. I think it's like the idea of a segment of town. I okay, so it's exactly. a segment of town that they called Tim, Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, Tin Pan Alley where they were just churning out a ton of songs and stuff like that because because you'd be performing songs and then people would get to learn them. I mean, there wasn't okay. radio yet. There wasn't that. So people would hear these songs, take them back with them on their way to town. That's yeah. how songs became popular is people would go and hear them. And once that song became popular, people would be able to like sing along with them. Right. But then it'd be like, I need new songs. I need fresh music. I need new stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they so they'd like get composers to be wow. giving them the music. And you kind of wanted like to be the first one to have it because you wanted to break that song. Otherwise, right. you know, this then person you would be performing known... this person's song. Right, because then the, whoever the first person to perform it Got the cre- the credit for oh, yeah. it, or not the songwriter, so much, or I don't know. I don't know how highly songwriters were held. I mean, I feel like there definitely were like big time go to people, and sure. it's like this is the guy that you gotta. This is the guy who you. writes really good songs. Yeah. So we're going. Let's go find that guy. Let's go find that guy. Yeah. Where's that guy hanging out? Well, <laughs> we gotta find him. He's in Tin Pan Alley, and uh, but that was in New York in the in like the early, like before radio. Yeah, yeah. So this is like so vaudeville became popular like like the right after the eight, civil war the 70s well, and 80s like or? it took pastor like 20 years, 25 years to kind of take what was happening in the concert saloons and bring it to New York. Okay. And then at that same time there were these uh two guys, Keith and Albie. Okay. And they they're different from pastor in the way that they're just like businessmen and they were basically like, "Okay, this is happening." It's exciting. How can we make a ton of money on right. it? And they figure if you take 
lower middle class people and you make them feel like a million bucks, yeah, they'll come back for more. Oh, they, they invented Americanism. Yes, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that. So they... What um, are their names? Keith and... Keith and Albie. Albie. A-L-B-Y kind of? A-L-B-E-E. E-E. Got it. You taking copious notes? I want to make sure that you're able to write a dissertation after this. Well, uh, there, I just, uh, people like to know how things are spelled. So they, they, when, when, oh. when, uh, when, when they, when they Google them themselves, then they can actually. Yes. Yes. So Keith should. and Albie, the greatest marketers in the world yeah. are vaudeville. Basically. That, yeah. And they, they created what, uh, circuits, basically. There was no oh. real such thing as a circuit and they created basically a monopoly because they put up so many houses in so many different cities and then created a, it was basically like, if you work with us, you need to work this and this and this and this and this. Right. And then the, you get a run. Yeah. They basically created the circuits and the runs. And wow. I know. That, uh, and then they probably commit, invented the comedy condo, sadly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cause there were flop they houses where really they put everyone, yeah. they invented shitty pay and <laughs> shitty and, uh, shitty places to sleep. Uh, but you got to, uh, perform five, seven nights a week. Oh yeah. And then you got to bring your kids and kids were born in there in trunks. Yeah. Uh, they put the two year old tap dancing on the stage. Like, sure. Go get him, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> look at the more. kid. He's got what it takes. Yeah. Look, look at this two year old. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I just had Ian Ambrimson was on the program a couple of episodes ago. He's a very funny, um, comic, an uh, up and coming guy. And, uh, and his thing was McDonald's land. He loved the McDonald's land characters. And he talked about it for like the uh, Hamburglar. Oh yeah, oh like yeah. How there's the new sexy Hamburglar. And it came out the week the new sexy Hamburglar came out the week that episode dropped, which was so weird, at the coincidence Creepy. of it. It was it was a it was a crazy coincidence. But he told a story about not Houdini, but who worked with Houdini. I forget, but whatever it was. Oh, it was Charlie Chaplin. I think it was Charlie Chaplin. Uh, came up in vaudeville, I guess. Yeah, big time. And um, one of the closers was when he was a little boy, when he was like seven, six or seven years old. The closer was uh, they would do a sketch. Uh, his parents would pretend to argue, and it would it escalate to the point where he would pick up Charlie Chaplin and throw him into the audience. <laughs> And just crossed his fingers that he got caught every time? Well, uh, he, I guess one time he picked him up and whipped him at a heckler. And he said, uh, lock your arms. Because he wanted to hurt the heckler. And he, and he knocked the guy down. <laughs> but, oh my uh, god, as that's you can imagine, so fucked. That is, was his closer. Because you can't follow that. How do you follow that? Yeah, you don't follow that. People like, are like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I love the idea of, of the women who did this. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's not exactly suffragettes, you know. I mean, it, these are. Um, it was like basically the only career where women could really make well, something of themselves. Yeah, because then you became kind of famous and and big time. Yeah, and you were able, you know, with every other type of job, unless you're a stay-at-home mom, you're dealing with not only not being able to find work because they're not hiring women, yeah. but just even if you get the job, then that like fucked up sexism. And here, women were, I mean, like the queen of vaudeville. Was a woman, obviously, but like, Ooh. uh, Eva Tangue. Eva Tangue. Tangue. What was her buzz? Cause that is a hell of a handle. She's sexy as hell. Yeah. What was- there was so much sexiness that happened in vaudeville. I think, I feel like people think that they've invented things or invented sex. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie Tucker sang like really sexy songs and like. When was Eva Tangue like late 1800s? Or was she early eighteen or early nineteen hundreds? I think early nineteen. Because she's recorded. Is she recorded? Yeah, there's got to be recordings of her stuff. Because how did you hear about Eva Tungwe? She just is. Well, when you study vaudeville like I do, (laughs) uh, she's just super famous. I don't know. Right. So what did she do? Give me a couple of stories about the Eva Tungwe that you love. I don't. Does she put out? What happened? Do you know what's funny? I wish I had read it before I came here. I just got a book all about her and I haven't read it yet. And what's it called? The Tale of Eva Tangue? Um, I want it to be called The Tale of Eva Tangue <laughs> because know, if it right? isn't, please write the book, The Tale of Eva Tangue. <laughs> please. What, what is her ancestry? What, what the hell kind of name is Tangue? I don't know. I don't know. How did, who, who told It was her? probably all invented. Why was she called Everybody, the Queen of, of Vaudeville? She was just the most famous and she had like really really amazing costumes and really, and she was always like in furs and in jewels okay. and like that just didn't exist. Right. And unless those are very you were, expensive. Right. So unless you're like, cause America 
didn't have royalty. Right. It's America. And then, but you have those entertainers. I mean, now we have celebrities and stuff like that, but back then it was like, she was the one. Sophie Tucker made herself and was in, you know, big furs and stuff. She yeah. got divorced three times. Sophie Tucker did? Yeah. She got married and divorced three times. And which also unheard of back then. Yeah. And they, someone asked her and she was like, well, I'm just, Used to doing everything for myself, I guess. Like, <laughs> men just like couldn't keep up with her. She's like, mm, I'm richer than you and I'm better uh, than you. I guess I'll try somebody else now. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, fair enough. It's a, uh, so, so there's Eva Tangway, there's Sophie Tucker. What other, what other cool ladies Maggie should people Klein look- was a big Irish. She would do like big Irish songs. Okay. So it sounds like they were, they were ethnic, right? Like Sophie Tucker's Jewish. Yeah. Maggie well, Klein's Irish. So Eva Tangway, I got, she's gotta be Argentinian. She's gotta be Latin American. I've gotta got learn more about her. It's almost like her name comes up so often I haven't delved deep enough. Right, right. You're so. just like, you got, you got names. Were there jugglers? Oh, oh yeah. Didn't I tell you my yeah. phone would go off? She D- promised. She promised her phone would go off and here it is. Tell a tale. Um, tell a tale. Um, I think, I think what's fascinating about vaudeville and I think what I really like is that it, took every type of person in the city and put them all in the same audience. And I think when I try to do, when I try to do live theater, when I do live theater, you know, that's my favorite part. That's why I go back to doing it live. Even if it's costing me my own money to be performing live, I think if you can put up a variety show that has tastes for everybody on stage and you have a group of people and this group has come to see this performer and this group's come to see this performer, then they're seeing acts they never would have seen. They think they're at a comedy show and suddenly somebody comes up and does a ballad and they're like, oh shit, I am feeling things in my heart. Right. And you know, people think they're going to a music show and then they see comedy and then you see some daring feat of, you know, acrobatics or whatever. And it's just like, this is something I never, never would have seen live. Right. So you had Sophie Tucker performing... My Yiddish Mama, which was almost completely in Yiddish. I think it was entirely in Yiddish. And you'd have just the Irish Jews, and the Jews in the audience weeping for their homeland. It was like this gorgeous, like, ballad of like, yeah. you know, home. And they'd be weeping, but you'd also have the, like the Irish and, and the-, the Italians. Yeah. And the Yanks and like all these different people. Like really, she was able to bring an entire room of people and was to the same feeling. I can't imagine that Keith and Albie would I mean, because of segregation, there had to be sort of a white side and a black side, but it had to be a white side and a black side. They're not going to turn down the money of black people. They put them in the back. They put them in, in the like back. In like the galleys or? and the. Okay, so they just had different sections of the of the. They segregated them, yeah. but they were at the same show. Yes. Where, where the, the, like, like, yeah. the, like all Americans were at the same show. All the immigrants, all, all, all the ex-slaves, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the, I, everybody must was. must have been theaters that were. Segregated and they were like, well, we're going to do a show just for black audiences now. We're going to do a show just for white audiences. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely that circuit. There was definitely that. Well, there's the Chitlin circuit, mm-hmm. which is famous for, uh, just being black performers. Which moms performing. came out. Moms was like the big. Moms Mabley? Yep. Is that it? Moms and- Mabley. Okay. Who next to my grandma is probably my biggest influence for Mary Dolan. Okay. And she stand up, singing, dance? Uh, all she was a, a a comedian and a storyteller and she would sing. Okay. And she, she just had this like big older floppy hat. Yeah, she wore a big hat. I remember she She wore a big big hat hat. and she wore like a, like a muumuu type overcoat and would Mm -hmm. like shuffle out onto the stage. Right. She was radical. She was radical. She came out as a lesbian when she was 27. Oh, she just told everybody? Yeah. She's like, I'm a lesbian. She was a black <laughs> lesbian performer. Like when that didn't exist and she was like, fuck you guys. And I'm performing as an old lady. Right. Even she though had, I'm not an old lady. And she came out of so much. She had such a horrible childhood. What was and her she, deal? Oh my God. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't her, great. <laughs> It was probably the worst I can imagine. Her father was a firefighter. Okay. And when she was a kid, he died, uh, at, on a call. Okay. Then when she was 10 on Christmas day, her mother was walking home, got hit by a truck and died. Whoa. Then she was raped twice and gave birth to a baby by the time she was 14. Whoa. And she basically was like, fuck all y'all, <laughs> changed her name and just made her own way. She was one of like 16 kids. Like oh. the fact that she made it where she was, where yeah. she's on 
wherever the national tour yeah international the ed tours, sullivan cause... show or whatever and she yeah. was like huge she was making like ten thousand dollars a week at the height of her popularity okay like on the chitlin circuit which okay. was an enormous amount of money yeah yeah at this point it's an enormous <laughs> amount of money you're getting ten grand a week at this point i would do whatever it takes right i uh am well and now we know that you can claim to be black uh so i oh am a God. <laughs> that lady i'm a black lesbian now you guys i don't know if you guys know this so i'm going to uh do mom's maple's act yeah and uh, get That's 10 great. grand a week let's bring blackface back how exciting is that you know uh, that woman is clearly Rachel a mess. Dolezal, is that Dolezal, I guess her name was. Yeah. But uh, her name was. Like, she isn't alive. She's still alive. <laughs> but I like that her parents narked on her. Like, they were the ones who... There's so much that I don't understand about what's happening. Right. I feel... The, part of my heart feels very... Um, I feel sad for her. It's It kind of is sick the way that the internet leaps on a person. Yeah. And shames them. I read this article recently that, like caught up with people who have been like really shamed on the internet or whatever. <laughs> Catching up to see how they've yeah, bounced and it's back. destroyed their lives. Oh, I bet. Like it's really, they've gone into hiding. People have changed their names. They've had to leave like their city. Their marriages are gone. They can't get a job because yeah. you Google their name and, their name and they're like battling severe depression. And I'm just like, it's so fucked up that the internet takes a single person and just dumps on them and dumps on them and dumps on them. Yes. it's. And, I mean, and, it's also a good tool for when people are shitheads to be like, hey, right. everyone disagrees with what you're doing. Right. I read something about the Rachel woman. When she went to Howard, she sued, she sued the college because she wasn't allowed to do something because she wasn't black. And Howard was like, stop talking and uh that's the thing is then i I like start to feel bad for her because i feel like well she's done a lot of good it's not that she's claiming to be something to do to like leech off of something well except for that she is but i think that she was actually good at her job i mean you don't become the head of the naacp in a state at a state level if you aren't good at it uh, or is it just the city of Spokane? Well, maybe even at a city level. Well, I mean, so she was pretty good at her job. Yeah, but she, it was like a really, really great chapter. Okay. And so she was good at and her job, but she was just a, she's just genuinely a very troubled and confused person. Well, I think that that's what it is, is I, I am almost, I feel concerned about jumping onto like the fuck this bitch bandwagon because I feel like, <laughs> I, I always feel concerned about a fuck this bitch bandwagon. <laughs> but I just, I feel like she's probably has some mental illness. Like she seems like maybe a pathological liar. Yeah. Yeah. Seems, seems like a pretty accurate thing that you could yeah, say. Yeah, she might just be a pathological liar, but good, maybe a good organizer. Yes, and, uh, great organizer. <laughs> so why don't you use your white privilege and start white. helping out people who are. And just stick with the white part of it and yep. just, and just learn how to deal with the guilt of, of it all. Uh, I just saw a great article today. And you know, every time I say the word article, Maria Bamford has a new joke about the, she says, so I read this article and then she pauses and goes, and we all know how powerful articles are. <laughs> and uh because that's where we're getting all of our information now. Yep. They're different articles. And I would like a source. Anyway, but there was a it was an article, I believe, uh in the New Yorker, and Ooh. it was called Eleven Things White People Don't Realize They're Doing uh racism wise. Uh and that is not the name of it. That is not the name of the article because sounds... that is not trip off the tongue. <laughs> Don't let Jackie Cation name your articles. <laughs> Journalists out there that she's coming for. Note to self. Uh, <laughs> name your own articles. Yeah. Um, but one of the great things was that people think, well, I'm not a racist because I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't do, like, I, I don't consciously hate people of color. You know, I don't consciously hate people who are different. They're missing the nuance. They're missing. Well, they're missing the fact they're they're missing the societal systematic racism around them and the benefits of not being right. A person who is immediately judged by uh, having darker skin or different colored, not being white. Oh, yeah. So uh, but it was it was this it was a great article written by a white guy. And uh, he was like. Good for you, white guy. Good for you, white guy, for explaining. And it was a little, it was not mansplaining. It was all perfectly, he was, he was like, I am just going to try to point some things out that I have learned as a white guy and what you might want to take into account. And I thought, good article, dude. Nice work. And so. Yeah, uh, it's all in those little things that I think white people don't think about because they don't have to. Right. That they don't think, you know, if like you're, you know, like 
you and I are white. Yes. And I'm sure we did things. I'm at least passing for it. Come on. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Thanks. Thanks. As like, you know, teenagers or young people, you do stupid shit or you're really loud in public or you're Mm -hmm. this or you're that. And it's like, you know, cops or people would look at us and be like, ugh, those teenagers, they're being real troublemakers. And if you look at black kids doing the exact same thing, it's like, oh, Jesus, he's probably got a gun on him. Right, let's tackle him. This kid's a thug. He's probably going to hurt somebody. Like, quick, lock your doors, clutch your purse. Like, Right, no, that's still a 14-year-old idiot. Yeah. It's always going to be a 14-year-old idiot, and it doesn't matter what that kid looks like. I was talking to a friend of mine, and... Not a friend of mine, an acquaintance, just uh, a black guy yeah, at some gig. Don't, don't make it a friend. We yeah. could be friends, but uh, it hasn't happened because we don't hang Jackie's out. Jackie's trying to make herself have a black friend right now. <laughs> Did you hear Lori Kilmartin's joke about Rachel? She said, right now she is someone's black friend and they are panicking. That <laughs> <laughs> is the greatest joke uh, of the Rachel What's-Her-Face and the Dolzy all or whatever. Oh. Lori Kilmartin. Lori Kilmartin, nailing it. Oh my God, that's a great joke. Yeah, so I think I, we were just talking about race, a bunch <laughs> of comics, and there was a, a young black guy who's about 21 years old, and I said, so are you telling me that, like, young black men never get to be idiots? Like, they have, they have to be consciously aware of their actions from a very young age? And he goes, you know, I think you're right. I think I was very aware of how I was perceived publicly, from from the age of like fourteen or fifteen, and I would be very aware of where my hands were, and if there were there were, and if anyone was afraid of me. And I was like, that is the saddest thing. I mean, oh, I yeah. the saddest thing I've ever heard of, just because I was such a fucking moron as a nineteen year old white woman. Like I remember stumbling out of a bar one time, beer in hand, cop cars parked right there. So he looked at me. So I finished it. I crushed the can because I am a tough person and an Very idiot much. and drunk and 19 and uh, and put it on his uh, cop car. I put the can on his cop car, at which point he stopped leaning against his cop car. And all he said was, pick it up, throw it out. So I picked it up and threw it out. So he treated me like I was his little sister. He treated me like I was a white woman. He treated you like he was a public servant looking out for the public. Yes. Being paid with tax funded dollars. Right. He was actually possibly a good cop, but I think I'm, or, but if I would have been a black woman, it very easily could have been an entirely different situation. Right. So this doesn't have anything to do with the circus. It all does. <laughs> Bring it home. Bring it home. How does it all, it- it's all, it's all the same goddamn story. Right. I mean, out of vaudeville came the minstrel shows. Okay. Where people were performing in blackface. Sophie Tucker herself, when she first hit the vaudeville stages, was performing in blackface because they wouldn't let her go on unless she did. Oh, weird. Because she like wasn't, air quotes, attractive. Oh, she, she was wasn't like a, beautiful enough. She was like a big, a big, loud woman. Okay. And they were scared that people would hate her. Okay. But if she was able to like dumb it down put cork on her face yeah, and, you know, and then play, belt out and, the song. Yeah. And then belt this thing. They'd be like, Oh, look at oh, that. So she's wacky, but wow, what an amazing voice. Yeah, like, Oh, she's, she's dumb and wacky. Okay. Just how we like to think of black people. So horrible. And then she, um, lost her makeup case on the way to a show. Something happened in transition yeah. on the train or whatever. And so she didn't have her makeup and she, went on stage anyway and the audience like gasped because they didn't know her and she was like she basically was like yes i'm a white woman deal with it right and then she belted out a song and she never did blackface again she did it like a couple times right it's just like i'm not doing this right we're done but some people really kept trying to keep it going like even till the 1960s they were just like (laughs) rachel doll is out is now keeping it going as well she is keeping it going uh there was a jim wooster who's been on the program a couple of times good friend of mine uh grew up outside of um Somewhere in South Dakota, not Rapid City, the other town, Sioux Falls. Uh, there's the two towns. <laughs> the two and, towns. uh, so he grew up outside of Sioux Falls and they did the history of jazz in his grade school. Ooh. Jim Wooster, uh, could not be whiter and South Dakota almost couldn't be whiter. Yeah, that's about the entire cast when they were eight years old in blackface in 1976, 77. And he has a picture of himself, little blonde haired, toe headed kid, uh, horribly that's done so in blackface. Nice. And he's like, it ain't right. 
But there it is. There's the picture of me as a horrible person. But I was eight. And, yeah, um, it never stops. It never, you know, it's like in, on the one hand, things keep getting better. On the other hand, like I look at things, I'm just like, how is this not changing? Right. How are teenagers being gunned down in the streets mm-hmm. daily in America? And yet and when I watch Holiday Inn, I still want to see uh, the the great uh, awesome scene with Mamie and the kids and uh, where yeah. uh, Bing Crosby is in blackface. Uh, oh, Bing Crosby. Oh, crazy Bing Crosby. But oh, I, I heard that Bing and Bob stole a bunch of the sketches from vaudeville when they did the road shows. Like they took everybody's best stuff from vaudeville. Probably. Because what I, what I've heard about vaudeville is that you, because there was no television, because radio was, they weren't audio recording these things yet, that you could do your act forever. Oh yeah. Like you didn't have to write new stuff as totally. much. Yeah. Yeah. You could do it. Yeah. It was like, Early stand up before you had to, yeah. before everything was on video and you're like, well, I can't fucking do that joke. I guess anymore. I'm done with that. Everyone's heard that bit. Yep. And, uh, and then everyone else is working on that same premise. I know, exactly. It's, yeah, but uh, you could do it, but you know, if someone picks up your act and starts doing it better, you need a new act. Cause right. then that's, that's their act now. Right. Which yeah. is weird about stealing. Yeah. So what, uh, so, so circus and burlesque and vaudeville, they just all led into each other or, or yeah, circus was they already all, there. Was yeah. It? Circus was there. That was, you know, P.T. Barnum yep. made that really big and did, like, the sideshows and the oddities right. and all that. Um, and, yeah, everything kind of just, like, started bleeding into each other. Keith and Albie, when they started their theater in Boston, they were much more – they decided to make it really, like, genteel. Okay. And really, one of my favorite things – I know about them is that they would have these little, um, cards that they would have the ushers hand out and it would be like, like a business card size thing. And they would just like, if someone was being too loud, the usher in like white gloves would just like hand them a card. And it was like, gentlemen should be reminded that, um, stamping and hollering is not permitted in the theater. One should clap to show their appreciation or like something like that. I'd be like, uh, Ladies are asked to remove large hats. You know, like there's a large hat. It's like they wouldn't even speak to the clientele. They'd just right. be like, but it made all these people who could afford to go to the theater, you right. know, like, oh, we're really seeing something. They had like, if you did a dirty act in their show, you were just like kicked off the whole circuit. You couldn't work anymore. Okay. And they would do shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. What? They would do 12 hours where the 12 shows. Where they would do, the people would go up, uh, the act, each act would go up like four times over the course of a thing. So it was wow. this idea of like, it's always available for you. It's at a price that you can afford so that they kind of were just constantly making And it didn't matter what your money. hours were. Yeah. So you could go, if you were like shopping with your ladies downtown, you'd be like, let's go catch a show. Mm-hmm. And then like, let's go get some lunch. Oh, or, you know, men could go after work. Right. You know, with or their in between or shifts or whatever. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's so it just wild. had this idea of like, there's always something happening in this theater. Whenever you come. Wow. That is no. round the clock. That is amazing. Round the clock. That they is awesome. They were smart. They were good businessmen. So they were good businessmen and they kept it clean. But how does burlesque work into this? Cause I, I'd never heard of burlesque until I came to Los Angeles. I'd, I'd heard the word, but I, I've seen more burlesque since coming here. Have you? I have. What kind I've, of burlesque? Like uh, sexy or like sexy ladies, uh, dancing sexy sex, uh, stuff, yeah. wearing red dresses and their boobs are half out. Yeah. And that's about it. Maybe, or nipple covers sometimes. They, they'll go, that's it. And, uh, nipple covers. <laughs> nipple covers. Hey, you sweet nipple cover. <laughs> <laughs> nice nipple covers you got going on there. Uh, it's not really creating any sort of mystery. <laughs> if all you've, if all you're wearing is nipple cover, the big mystery then is how big are your nipples? Yeah. Which you can usually tell by how big the pasty is. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. Right? No one's going to wear a gigantic pasty over a small <laughs> nipple. They'll think you got saucer plates. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> burlesque actually used to mean something totally different. The word burlesque used to mean, um, it was like a, um, like a comedy act. Oh. Like a burlesque. Okay. Like, uh, Burt Lair, who played the Cowardly Lion, was a famous burlesker. Okay. So it used to kind of mean something different. And then, like, the lady shows kind of took it over. Maybe they started. I but really don't know when all the sexy time happened. Right. The, the word kind of was reappropriated to be that. Okay. You know, instead of the buffoonery that it was or the acting that it was. But now you have, I think there's a burlesque revival happening right now. Me too. Big the time. fact that I've seen three burlesque shows, I, I agree. He used <laughs> to produce burlesque. 
Oh, did you win? In Boston. In Boston? Yeah. And was it sexy burlesque or was it comedy burlesque? Um, or was it a... I like to think they're the same thing. But it was very much like a character-based or storytelling. There's Boston has this ridiculously good underground scene. Okay. Do you like how I keep taking my glasses on and off? Right. And well, to make a point. You, you guys have you ever thought about gesturing with you your can't glasses? See home. I need to like put them in my mouth a little bit right? more. Right. A little more. Just point with them and just go. I don't think you understand. And but but <laughs> here's because there is a woman who does burlesque here in Los Angeles named Lucky Deluxe, mm-hmm. and Lucky Deluxe does stand up, but she also does burlesque. So sometimes she does comedy burlesque. So she does like sexy comedy. Which is all that it is in the end. In the end, it's just stand-up comedy, but she's also taking her clothes off uh, and doing some dancing awesome. and some some singing. I would argue the best burlesque in the country is in Boston. Okay. There's... Um, You're not going to argue with me because I don't know anything about burlesque. Don't you, don't you dare come back at <laughs> don't me. Don't come back with a Cleveland defense? Okay. Um, there's probably one of my favorite performers in the entire world is this burlesque performer named Femme Brulee. Femme Brulee is the greatest name in the world. She has this act. Uh, She came out to L.A. when I produced my very, very first Mary Dolan show after I moved out here three years ago. And she flew out just to do this act in the show where she basically jumps in into a huge cake at the end. She like strips (laughs) for a cake. I'm ruining the story of like a real huge big cake. Please look up Femme Brulee cake on Is it YouTube. Femme, as in like Femme Fatale, and then Brulee, like Creme Brulee? Exactly. You've got it. All right. She and this other amazing, amazing performer named Jane Doe, who does like horror burlesque, where it's Whoa. like so sexy, but there's always like knives and blood, and I'm always like, I'm kind of extremely Creep. turned on, but also I'm like scared, <laughs> and I don't know what's happening, and you're super hot, and your hair is whipping around. That is hilarious. She gets me crazy. The two of them produce a festival. It's kind of newer. It's called Alternities. Okay. And their logo is a, like, a banana who's like sexually stripping off her peel. <laughs> but it's kind of like, it, it's like alternative, it's an alternative burlesque festival. So okay. there's all kinds of like, uh, strange acts. Yeah. But it's always like Boston has this really, really great storytelling that they do. And then incorporating stuff. There's a performer named Lolly Hoops. Okay. Uh, who does, uh, hoop burlesque. Okay. Uh, there's this, one of the heads of the burlesque scene is named, uh, Sugar Dish. Okay. In Boston. And she produces this show called The Slut Cracker. Okay. And it's this huge, at a 900 seat old vaudeville house. Okay. And it sells out all of December. Okay. 900 seats a night. A night. For all of December. Mary, as Mary Dolan, I originated the Auntie Drosselmeyer character. Where, (laughs) what is that? Where, so The Slut Cracker is this burlesque retelling of the Nutcracker. Okay. And it totally follows, <laughs> uses all of Tchaikovsky's music, but Clara and Fritz are now a grown-up couple instead of being a young brother and sister. Okay. And they're, like, about to get married, but Clara is, like, sort of bored with Fritz and whatever, and Auntie, and then they get engaged at the top of the show and end up having a big Christmas party. And Auntie Drosselmeyer. Yes comes and it's all it's all pantomime so it's all using Tchaikovsky's music we didn't change any of that it's all fully choreographed silent uh she comes in finds out they're getting engaged and she's like fuck no and pulls a vibrator out of her purse uh-huh and uh so it becomes this like like push and pull and Fritz is like get get out of here whatever mm-hmm. Mary comes back Drosselmeyer comes back yep clock strikes midnight and she tries to give Clara the Vibrator. The vibrator again. Uh-huh. And they end up having the struggle. Vibrator gets like thrown off to the side <laughs> and then the dildo prince comes and rises. So instead of the nutcracker, the nutcracker prince. Right. He's the dildo prince and he has, he's in a full pink tuxedo <laughs> with like a pink head. He looks like a vibrating bunny. His arms are like flapping on the sides of his thing. And they do this whole ballet. He's a, he's a ballet dancer. Claire is a real ballet. These are fully yeah. trained ballet dancers and wow. becomes this huge and so act two is all of the like so instead of going to like the different lands and the meeting nutcracker all these people, lands yeah yeah you go like the russian dance is uh these dominatrix so it's okay. women on point 
but in full leather with whips doing like. Is that every Christmas? Do they put it up every Christmas or do they every just do it? Every year. Get your goddamn self to the Somerville Theater <laughs> in Boston. Okay. In Somerville, actually. Yes. So, yeah. So it's, it's it's the scene in Boston is ridiculous. There's a group called, um, do you know, do you know Jenny Zagrino? Nope. Oh. Good people. Good people. Jenny Zagrino. Jenny Zagrino is this amazing comedian. Okay. She's great. She just did Conan. She's okay. like killing the game right now. I'm sure I've met her, uh, but, uh, sadly, uh, names and me are, are, are no, it's fine. parted ways. It's fine. Anyway, so Have Zagrino on the show. She's great. She used to do this character. I wonder if she's out about this now that she's like becoming a famous stand-up. Anyway, whatever. Fuck you. She, uh, played there, this character. There's tens of listeners. Don't worry. Great. And Rangers don't tell anybody. Hi, mom. Anyway. Um, Jenny used to play this character named Liz Fang. Okay. Who was this, um, ridiculous over the top, like crazy British woman. And she would host shows, um, that Rogue Burlesque would do. And Rogue Burlesque is this troupe in right. Boston who's does this amazing weird stuff. Just one. Oh my God. It's crazy. They're just, they perform you know all the I like time. To find out at minute 44 that your real dorkdom is Boston burlesque and Boston <laughs> theater and the Boston scene. <laughs> Thank you, Petey Gibson. By the way, it's at Petey underscore Gibson on Twitter and PeteyGibson.com for the rest of it. And, uh, it is, I guess this yeah. is my like dorky obsession. That is your dorky obsession. Fuck and it. how does it lead into, into drag? Um, I feel like it does. Oh, of course it does. Of course it does. Cause there's guys who are, there's, there's, um, one of Andy's cousin, Richard and his partner up in San Francisco are members of the sisters of perpetual something. <gasps> yes. And so they all I have nun names. And I believe mm-hmm. Richard's name is sister Penny Costal. And, um, and Bill's name is sister Saki Tumi. Because he is Japanese. And, uh, they are beautiful and they do a lovely thing every Easter where they do an Easter egg hunt for the kids in, in Golden Gate Park. And thousands of people bring their children and, and this, they're like the Kiwan, they're like a gay, uh, drag Kiwanis club. And so, (laughs) (laughs) but they're very, it's their new tagline. Sell it to them. I love it. Uh, they might like it. Who knows? But I, I just, I've seen, like I saw drag, some drag, I saw shitty drag in Minneapolis one time. And then I saw amazing drag in Provincetown one year. Um, but I was, Who was it? Was it me? It was you. It was you in Provincetown dressed as Marilyn Monroe, half of, half Marilyn Monroe <laughs> and half Cher. And this guy did this thing. Remember Victor me. Victoria? Yes. It was, it was, but it was two women. It was two famous women and. That's brilliant. And she would turn. There's and, great drag in P-Town. Yeah, there's amazing. And then, uh, she would turn and sing as the other person. And turn and sing as the other person. What a great act. Who was it? I have no idea. And it was 20 years ago, but it was unstoppable. And I still remember it, which is always a good sign. Um, I toured down to P-Town for years with, I was a drag king. Oh yeah. Uh, which is like where we started as a drag king troupe. And then we kind of were like, but we were all trained as like dancers or in theater or whatever it was. And I created Mary Dolan in that troupe it was called all the King's men. Okay. Still going strong in Boston. Excellent. This is my dorkdom. That is your dorkdom. Damn. Last 10 minutes. Let's do it. Fuck dude. <laughs> uh, all the King's men in Boston is this incredible, like, um, I forget what tagline we ended up going with. It was mm-hmm. like, like comedic character based. Drag performance art troopers. <laughs> okay. Something Catchy. Really, Runs right off yeah, the Yeah, well, we kind of like invented did I what name we it? did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we got it off of you for five cents. It was an article name that I just came up with. The yeah. longest name in the world. It was just this sort of melding of all these forms that we created. And it was just this really, really quick, fast-paced, you know, if we did an hour-long show, I, yeah. would, I would play, you know... A dorky guy at the office, and then two minutes later, I'd be back on stage as a girl in heels, and then I'd be on as Mary Dolan, and then I'd be in a cat costume, and then and all of us would be playing and male all and female roles, that. just swapping it. And out. it was all set to pop music that we would like jam up against each other. What do you and, call it? And we was, like edit it all together, like mashups. Mash and were they? Were they? Was it filmed? Was it live? We have some footage, but they, they were live shows. Live shows, and was it? Was there dialogue, or was it mostly just? Uh, act outs to the music. It's, yeah, it started just as, uh, as, uh, like lip syncing along to music. Okay. And then later we, we just were like, you know what? This is our fucking troop. We can do whatever we want to do. Do that. So I said, <laughs> I want to talk as Mary. So okay. I would come out for five minutes and I would rile the crowd up and I would talk as it was the first time that we were talking that our people would come out. And then, uh, Julie Antonellis, who's one of my, uh, 
um, co-performers. We do a duo okay. show called the Gibson Antonellis Comedy Hour. Well played. We just did it at the uh, Women in Comedy Festival. She does this um, insane uh, – she calls it the montage and it's all these lines from like all her favorite – TV and uh, TV shows and films oh, wow. and it's back to back and she just can do unbelievable impressions, but she lip syncs them. So she basically oh. is embodying like back to back to back to back to back and it goes yeah, on yeah. for like 10 minutes or something. Oh, that's hilarious. It's the most fucking insane thing I've ever seen. That is crazy. So, uh, let's tell people besides pdgibson.com is that you were on the Jill Soloway. There's a series of documentaries on ew.com, uh, entertainmentweekly.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is going to come out uh, near the end of July. But Great. Uh, so they may or may not still be up there, but they might be on Netflix and stuff. It's but the internet. Everything lives forever. It's going to live forever. And what's it called? Soloway? Or? No, no, no. It's called um, This Is Me. This Is Me is the name of the series, right? Yeah. And they're so, short documentaries. Yeah, it's a, kind of a, an offshoot of Transparent. Okay. If you have not seen Transparent, get the to, to Amazon. Amazon Prime. Oh, my God. For $100 a year, you guys. You get free shipping. So you or just, just find a friend. Or find a friend and join their Amazon Prime. Sorry, Amazon, for, for people to sneak around you, but right. I was really lucky. I got um linked into Transparent. I had like a bit part on episode seven oh, wow. of season one. I was Butch Slam Poet was my oh, name. It was great. Excellent. I know uh Jill's sister Faith Soloway, who's this unbelievable creator, writer, musician. Uh, out of Boston. Okay. My, as my well. Boston hub. Yes. Um, and Jill and Faith were, have been creating stuff just forever. Yeah. Um, and so when this got picked up, Faith came out to write on the show and Faith was like, Hey, come be on it. Right. You're super queer. Here's this part. And I was like, great. And it was really exciting. So I got to meet all these, um, queer, trans, gender nonconforming people. Right. And they decided to make sort of an offshoot based on the things that were being talked about in Transparent with trans and gender nonconforming oh, okay. people. Oh, just talk to real people based uh, because of the popularity of Transparent. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they call them docu shorts, I think. So they're each five minutes long. There's five of them. Right. And you're in one of them? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's called uh, This Is Me Right This Way. Right this way. This okay. is called, and it's me and, uh, Mel Shimkovitz, who's a- The greatest name in the world. Mel yeah. Mel Shimkovitz. Oh god, she's so rad. Yeah, she's like a happening queer. Happening, happening a- lady named actor, Mel Shimkovitz. producer, That's- you know. Say Shimkovitz. Say, say it again. Shimkovitz. There we go. I hope um, I'm pronouncing that right, Mel. Not that you're listening to this, but- She could be. Mel just threw a fabulous party on the rooftop of the Ace Hotel the other day, and uh, <laughs> I have a sunburn from it. And it was fabulous. Anyway, so me and Mel got together and talked about, like, uh, when we go out and we're called ladies. Oh, right. Um, which neither of us like. Okay. Very much, because it kind of kills our boners <laughs> a little bit. Tiny boners destroyed. Yeah, so my tiny- my tiny, tiny little lady boner. boner. Yeah, it's gone. It just, woo. <laughs> wow, that's a huge lady boner. Woo. Yeah. That's like three seconds of lady boner. That's almost for a man sure. boner. Yeah. All right. What would you prefer to be called when out? Hey, you guys. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that. There's so many ways that you don't have to gender specify. Like, mm-hmm. hey, guys. What's hey, going on? Hey, what? how is everybody? Or it's just, uh, hello, excuse me. Yep. Yeah. How about exactly. that? How about Say like, hi friends. Yes. Hi comrades. <laughs> Asso- Ooh, melt out associates. Associates. How um, are my associates? At Kinko's, when I worked at Kinko's, they used to refer to all the, the Kinko employees as Kinkoids. So you should use I, that in real life. It'll I, I don't know why that came up out of nowhere. Someone will try and here to spank you if you We are that. at an hour, Petey Gibson. I Shit, just, I'm dude. so sorry that we got to wrap it up, but uh, this has been awesome. I have learned things about Eva Tung. Tangway? Yeah. All right. Uh, Maggie Klein, Sophie Tucker. Uh, I like Sophie Tucker in Boston for your, for your dorkdoms. In, I think, in, in I think run. when we, when we, uh, yeah, when we, when, when we measure it all out. Of, yeah, when we stand in front of God in front of the pearly gates, those yep. will be the ones. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for doing the show. Everybody find Petey Gibson. It's find the Mary Dolan show and, uh, find each other, Rangers, and say to each other, hey, you listen to that show? I listen to that show. Thanks a lot for listening, you guys. Take care out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?